Well, we are two days into the new year, maybe a few days later if you're watching this at a later date. And some of you, you have made your New Year's resolutions. And let's be honest, some of you, you have already made and broken your New Year's resolutions. But today, I want to ask you a question and challenge us to ask a question of ourselves today that I believe more than a New Year's resolution, more than any new habit, I believe this question has the power to make or break your whole year and possibly to even define your entire life. And I know that sounds like an overpromise, but I promise you it's not. And here's the question that I want to encourage us to ask today. Who or what is at the center of your life? Who or what is at the center of your life? And you can answer that question really differently depending on how you interpret the question, how you hear the question, how, how you think about that question. So let me be abundantly clear with what I mean when I ask that question. What is the thing or the relationship in your life that shapes everything you do and through which every decision in life gets filtered. Who or what is the thing or the relationship in your life that shapes everything you do, that shapes everything about you, and through which every decision that you make gets filtered? Now, because this is church online, I know you know what the what I think the answer should be. Well, God is at the center of my life. I'm a Christian. I'm watching church online on a Sunday morning, the day after New Year's Day. I, like, I'm watching church online. Of course, Jesus is at the center of my life. Of course, God is at the center of my life. I'm a Christian. What else would be at the center of my life? And yet, if we were to place your life or my life under the microscope at any given point along the way, or if you were forced to answer with brutal honesty, you know, like I know, that for so many of us, the answer is that something or someone else is at the center of our lives. That Jesus is important to us. He's just not always the most important thing. That Jesus is important. He's just not central to our lives always. See, if we were to all answer honestly, for most of us, there's something else or someone else that sits at the top or is the most important thing, or we filter all of our decisions through or rests at the center of our lives. Let's look at a couple of these. For, for some of us, it could be money. It's all about those Benjamins for you. It's, you you got to make money at all costs. You got to save money and build wealth like there's definitely a tomorrow. You could, you know, a lot of us is like, you know, like there's no tomorrow. No, you save money like there's definitely uh tomorrow. You got to invest in those stonks. You got to ride Bitcoin and Ethereum to the moon. You, you got to, it's, it's money at all costs. It's money at the sake of anything and any anyone else. It could be politics that you spend a whole lot of time listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and cable news with people telling you exactly what you already will believe and what you want to hear. And if you compared the amount of time spent listening to the politics to the amount of time you spent reading the Bible or praying, it would be clear what is actually at the center of your lives. It, it, it could be family. It could be family that, that this, this can go in a lot of different directions. It could be that the family schedule is above everything else and everyone else. And it's the kids soccer games, the kids basketball games, and the kids, you know, the PTA meetings and all the different stuff that happens for family and getting all that stuff. It could be that, or it could be that there's a member of your family, maybe a parent or a, or, or a grandparent that you are still trying to win the approval of that every question gets filtered through that relationship or through that lens that, that there's, there's something about family that you're trying to still do and that rests at the top 
top of everything. It's at the center of everything. That everything you do revolves around a family relationship. It could be your career. You got to advance. You got to got to climb the corporate ladder. Got to get the next portion of education so you can qualify for the next possible promotion. You you're gonna work, 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 work to get ahead and to get noticed. Everything takes a backseat to your career. Maybe even your family takes a backseat. To your, to your career, but it could be friends that you'll drop everything, including God, including church, to be there for friends and to be there with friends. It could be yourself that, 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 can we be honest here? Some of us, we like the idea of God at the center of our lives right up until the time it becomes the slightest bit inconvenient for, inconvenient for us. That the second it costs us something, the second it requires anything of us, the second it doesn't feel good, we back out because at the end of the day, our comfort and our feelings are, our, are at the center of our lives. And, and here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are all actually, I believe, good things. They're, they're, they're good things. Your family isn't a bad thing to view as important. Politics are a big deal. Career is a big deal. Friendships are important. And you matter to God a lot. So you are important. But the first problem that we have with that is simply this, that none of those things are meant to be the main thing. None of those things are meant to be the main thing. See, your family is important, but it was never meant to be the most important thing in your life. Your career is important, but it was never meant to be the most important. That politics are important, but they're not what's most important. Like, thank God, they're not what's most important. That your friendships matter. They're just not to be what matters most. That your money matters. It's just a terrible thing to have matter most. That if you find yourself living absorbed by those things or centered on any of those things, here's the unfortunate truth that you will eventually experience. That you will find yourself eventually disappointed by those things because none of those things can ultimately and truly satisfy or fulfill you. All of those things are really bad at being the main thing. None of them were meant to be the main thing. They're, they're good things, but they weren't meant to be the main thing. And so that's the first problem that we have in, in those ways. But in relation to our relationship with God, there's actually a much bigger reason to pay attention to what's at the center of our lives and to make sure we get the right thing as the main thing at the center of our lives. See, if Jesus isn't at the center of our lives and anything else is at the center of our lives, we will treat Jesus as an accessory to assist us in building whatever we have decided is the most important. Like, like if, if Jesus isn't the main thing at the center of our lives, if Jesus is off over here, we will treat Jesus as if Jesus is an accessory to help us build whatever and develop and grow whatever it is that we have decided in any given moment is the most important thing in our lives. So if family is the most important, I'll take what God says and apply it when I have an issue within my family, but I won't allow Jesus to be the center of my family relationships when things seem to be going well, because when things are going well, I've got it all figured out and I can make all the best decisions for myself. If money is most important, I'll take the, some of the things that God said in scripture about money and about building wealth and I'll apply them to, to help build my financial portfolio. But when Jesus wants to do something with my finances other than build them and grow them, I'll just ignore that part and I'll say, hands off Jesus. 
Like, if your politics is most important, you'll pick and choose the things that Jesus said that agree with your already formed opinions and use Jesus to support your ideas. You'll love, if you're a Republican, you'll love the Jesus that sounds like a Republican and ignore the Jesus that sounds like a Democrat. Or you'll love the Jesus that sounds progressive and ignore the Jesus that sounds like a libertarian, like, like uh, it sounds like a conservative. You will, you will do with Jesus what so many people do with Jesus. This is incredibly common. But the problem with all that is that Jesus didn't come into the world to live a sinless life and to preach and to teach to the world so that the world could know God and God's thoughts and die for your sins and raise from the dead to be an accessory, to live in your back pocket, to live as a, as a reference point somewhere out in the, in the world, to be an accessory to whatever else it is that you want to do and whatever else that is that you're trying to accomplish, to live as an accessory to whatever it is that you are you, you have decided is more important than him. Jesus did not do all of that to be an accessory to your life. And so every time you, you, you use Jesus as an accessory, you are reducing Jesus to something smaller and less significant than Jesus is and that Jesus came to be. See, here's the truth and here's why we have to get this right. Jesus did not come to be an accessory. Jesus came to be the center around which your whole life revolves. Jesus did not come and live for you and die for you and raise from the dead for you and set an example so that you would know what the heavenly father looks like and what, what God in heaven feels like and what God in heaven would respond to in any situation so that you could treat him as an accessory. He came and he did all of that so that he could be the central point on which, on which everything about your life revolves. Jesus as an accessory to your life, it doesn't work because he is not meant to be an accessory to anything or to anyone. He is meant to be center and savior and Lord with you living fully surrendered to everything he has for you and everything he wants for you and everything he requires of you. And anything short of that, it misses the mark on the relationship he wants with you and the life that he has for you. Now, so if, if, if you're wondering where this idea comes from, this idea is found really throughout the entirety of the New Testament. As Jesus' disciples and the apostles and Paul wrote to people who were placing their trust in Jesus, and they were trying to help them understand and realize what it would look like to live out this newfound faith in Christ. And one of the things that they kept running into among Jews and Gentiles alike was this idea that was common in the ancient world that kept religion separate from the rest of life. It was a breaking case of emergency version of religion. In other words, there was a way of thinking then, like so often we think now, that I live my life and I do what I think is best and I try my hardest to focus on what matters most to me. And then when something goes wrong with what matters most to me, then I go grab religion, then I go to God, then I go to the temple, then I go to a priest and I make a sacrifice or I make a, make a confession or I say the right prayers or I, or I make an offering or I present an offering or I do something to get God back on my side because if something in my life is not working, it's obviously because God is not pleased with what I've been doing. So I make an offering, I make a sacrifice, I say a prayer, I make a confession, I talk to a priest, I pray the right prayer, and I get God back on my side so that I can now do again what I want to do and what and the thing that I think is most important. And so now my family will go well. Now the business will grow. Now our family will win the dispute. So the enemies get what's coming to them. They're like, 
all of this will happen as long as I get that thing squared away with God. So I go get things squared away with God, and then I come back to my life. I keep religion separate until I feel like I need it. In other words, to, to use the language that we've been using today, they treated God like an accessory to help when things went wrong, but God, in their understanding, did not want to be intimately involved in the aspect of day-to-day life. Interesting that this happened 2,000 years ago and 3,000 years ago and 1,500 years ago, and it still happens today. This is what historians and theologians refer to as a temple-based mindset, as a temple-based mindset that, that I, when, I, when something goes wrong, I go to a special place, a special person, a spe- make a special offering, do something special so that God will get on my side so that I can do what I want to do. And teaser alert, later this spring, we're going to come back and we're going to spend a whole month talking about how to move beyond a temple mindset to the new and better way that Jesus modeled for us. We're going to come back to this in a series that we're going to call Brand New in a, in a, in a few weeks and in, in, in later, later in the spring. We're going to come back to that. But as Jesus's followers would write to these new Jesus followers, one of the things they worked to confront was this idea that Jesus was like all the other gods they had worshipped before, and he wanted to be left to the side until there was an emergency, but that actually Jesus wanted to be right at the center of everything that we do and everything that we are. And to help combat that thinking, Paul actually drew on his own experience in this letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. Here's what he wrote in Galatians chapter 2. Starting in verse 15, he wrote this, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because... By the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, this is a really fascinating piece of writing from Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul had spent most of his formative years fully embracing the law, recorded in Hebrew scriptures as the way, as the center of his life. This had been the center, the law had been the center of Paul's life for most of his life. Life In his mind, it was the only way to make life make sense and truly the most important thing in life. And in, in this interesting turn, sometimes you can tell what a, what a person used to think by what they highlight about what they now think. And in this moment, Paul tells on himself at the end of this portion of scripture when he writes, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You know what Paul is writing? Paul is telling on himself by saying, by, by saying something that is true, it, this, is, this is true, but he's also revealing what he used to think. He's letting us know, I used to think, I used to think that the law would justify me, that fulfilling the law would fulfill me, that satisfying the requirements of the law would satisfy me. Paul says, I used to think like that. But now that I know Christ, now that I know Jesus, I know that nothing but him at the center of my life will fulfill, nothing but him at the center of my life will satisfy, nothing but him at the center of my life will justify me before God, that not, that my life does not make sense without Jesus Christ at the center of of my life. And so I have put my faith in Jesus and I'm building my life around him. Not the law, not my own efforts, not my family, not any of that stuff that used to matter, that I am building my life around Jesus and him alone. And then he says this in verse 17, but if, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. And then he says this, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be 
a lawbreaker. More, more gold here from Paul. Paul lets us know that he's not just tacking Jesus on to an old way of thinking, to the old way, to the, to the, to the law at the center. It's not, it's not law at the center when we use Jesus when, we, when, when Jesus agrees with the law. In other words, we are not using Jesus as an accessory. Jesus is not the supplement to our old way. Jesus is an entirely new and living way. And then and then Paul gets to the meat. If, if you're like, wait, we haven't gotten to the meat yet. No, Paul's about to get to the meat of what he's saying all along. For through the law, I died to the law so that I may live for God. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I died. I died. Would you actually say that with me wherever you are? Maybe just tap, chat, type it in the chat. But let's say this all together out loud on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. I died. <laughs> now, some of you, if you're watching with headphones and there's other people in the room, they're like, what? <laughs> what, what What just happened? You got to be careful how you type that on Facebook or people will be sending condolences to your family. Like he says, he says, I died. I died to the law. Meaning, I died to the thing that I used to think was the main thing. I died to the thing that I used to think was the main thing. Now, it's interesting, when you read Paul's letters, Paul still actually talks about the law. Paul, Paul believed that it was an important foundation for his life. Paul, when he was around Jewish people, he actually would still embrace portions of the law. I mean, we would go, Wait, no, you didn't die to the law. Paul would say, no, no, no. Here's what I mean when I say I died to the law. It means that this is no longer in the center of my life. Jesus is in the center of my life. And I did not set the law aside because I stopped thinking it was important. I, I placed something else and someone else in the center of my life because I realized that this could not fulfill me, that this would not satisfy me, that this would not justify me, that this would not make me righteous ever. I came to the conclusion when I met Jesus that only Jesus made sense at the center of my life. And so I moved anything else out from the center of my life so that Jesus could have and be the center of of my life. I laid aside what I thought was most important so I can live for what is actually most important. What Paul would challenge some of us to do is to say, look, politics is important, but it's not the center of your life and it needs to move out of the center of your life. Your family, it is important, but it is not meant to be the center of your life. It cannot handle the weight of your life. And so while it's important, you still need to move it out of the center of your life. While your career is important, it's not meant to be the thing that your life revolves around. And so it needs to move out of the center place of your life so Jesus can be the center of your life because only Jesus can support the weight of your life. Only Jesus is worth revolving your life Around And they says this in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Not Christ off to the side, ready for me to turn to when I have an emergency and I can't figure life out. It's Christ in me. It's Christ at the very center of my life, involved in every decision, hearing every concern, pointing the way in every relationship, helping me sort through my emotional responses to what's happening around me. It's Christ in me. Christ lives in me right at the center of everything about me and everything that I do. I have chosen, Paul would say, I have chosen to join Christ in his death to the things and the ways of this world and to also join him in his life so that his life could be the center and the focal point and the source of my life, that everything revolves around Christ because Christ is not living outside of me and I have to go grab him when I think he, I need him. He is in me. He's in me. 
The life I now live in the body, he goes on in verse 20, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's Paul's why. This is Paul telling us why he joined Christ's crucifixion and why he's now joined Christ's life. Why, why he's been crucified with Christ. Why he laid everything else to the side. Why he died to everything else. Why, why he pushed everything else out of the center so that Jesus could be the center. Here's Paul's why. I live for Jesus because Jesus is the one who loves me so much that he would give himself up for me. You want to know why, why Jesus should be the center of your life? Because Jesus is the one who loves you so much that he would lay down his life so that you could have life, so that I could have life. This is who Jesus is. He's the one who loves you so much that he sacrificed for you, that he sacrificed for you, that because of the sacrificial love of God, I am confident in trusting him to be the center and the foundation and the source of everything in my life. And then he says this to wrap up in verse 21. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. See, here's what Paul is saying. Jesus died to do for you what the law could not do for you. Paul is reminding himself and he's reminding the Galatians, Jesus died to accomplish what the law never could. Jesus died so that the thing that I had at the center of my life, while it couldn't accomplish what I was hoping it would accomplish, Jesus accomplished that for me. And Jesus accomplished that for you. Jesus did that for us. Jesus' sacrificial love accomplished for you something the law could not accomplish for you and something you could not accomplish for you and, and something that your career cannot accomplish for you and something that politics cannot accomplish for you and something that your family and your friendships cannot accomplish for you and something that all the money in your bank account cannot accomplish for you. He did for you what no, nothing and no one else could do for you. And if you want to know why Jesus belongs at the center and the focal point of your life and my life, it's because he did for you and me what no one else and what nothing else can do for you. He gave his life so that you and I could have life. And so here's the, here's the bottom line today. As we come to the end of these scriptures, here's, here's the bottom line. We're going to talk about how to apply this in just a second. The one who gave his life so that you could have life is the only one who deserves to be the center of your life. The one who gave his life so that you and I could have life, he is the only one who actually deserves to be the center of your life. He is. He is. See, see, this begs the this reminds us that, that there is one who actually did give his life, who did lay down his life. He didn't just come into the world to teach some nice things and to perform some miracles and to set a great example and say, follow me and then die. But he actually laid down his life and then raised from the dead so that you and I could have life. And when someone does that for you, and when someone does that for me, when someone loves us with that kind of sacrificial love, that's the person who belongs and who deserves to be the center of our life. That's the life that can actually support the weight of life. That's the, that's, that's the person around which everything actually deserves 
to revolve. That's the type of person who actually should have our lives revolving around him, that the one who laid down his life for you so that you could have life and so that I could have life is the only one deserving to be at the center of our lives. See, this is ultimately a question. This is ultimately the question of who and what is ultimately in control of your lives. See, your life will either be controlled by, by yourself and your desires and your family and your schedule and your career and your finances and your politics and all of that stuff, or it will be controlled by the one who laid down his life for you. See, ultimately, this is a question of surrender, that of, of whether or not you have placed control of your life in the hands of your heavenly father, or, or if you are still holding on for dear life, thinking that you know best, thinking that God is a break, break glass in case of emergency God, thinking that Jesus is an accessory to, to, to whatever it is that you're ultimately trying to accomplish. It's a question of control. It's a question of who and what is ultimately in control. It's ultimately the question of this, who is actually Lord over my life? Who's in the center of my life? Who's in control of my life? Who's the Lord of my life? And see, here's the thing. One of the best ways that you can determine who and what is actually in control of your life is to take a look at where your time goes, where your money goes, where your energy goes, and what you spend the most time thinking and talking about. And if we're asked the question of who's in charge of me, and if, if, if we place ourselves under the microscope and we look at our time and we look at our thought life and we look at our energy and we look at where our money goes and the answer is, it is real, realistically anything other than Jesus Christ at the center of my life, every single one of us at the beginning of 2022, every single one of us, we should drop to our knees in repentance and begin to choose him at the center of our lives once again, and to move everything else away from the center and say, my politics revolves around Jesus. My family revolves around Jesus. My finances revolve around Jesus. My career revolves around Jesus. Myself, it revolves around Jesus. My responses revolve around Jesus. That Jesus is the Lord of my life. He's in control of my life. He's the center of my life. And so everything about else about my life, it revolves around him. And so here's the, the, the choice that I would love for every single one of us to make at the beginning of this new year. Here's the choice that I think is, is, is the best choice that we can make. The most life-altering, the most life-defining choice that we can simply make is to simply say this, I choose Jesus Christ as the center of my life life. I choose Jesus Christ as the center of my life. And so to choose Jesus Christ as the center of our life, it means a couple of things. I believe it means a couple of things. I believe it means, it means we choose Jesus as our primary influence, as our primary influence. That in a world full of influencers, I choose that I will be most influenced by God and by the truth found in his word. In a world full of influencers seeking to get my attention for the benefit of their bank account, I choose to be influenced primarily by the one who seeks to get my attention to benefit me and to benefit the world, the one who, who laid down his life to influence the world, to change the world, to save the world, to grab the attention of the world so that they could be connected to him who is the source of life. I choose that I will not, that, that I will listen to his voice of influence over the voice of any other influence 
in the world. I choose to primarily be influenced by my heavenly father. That yeah, there's gonna be a whole bunch of stuff out there. That yeah, there's gonna be a whole bunch of people on Instagram trying to get my attention. Yeah, there's gonna be a whole bunch of people on TikTok trying to get my attention. Yeah, there's gonna be a whole bunch of advertisers trying to get my attention. Yeah, cable news is trying to get my attention. Yeah, yeah, my, my parents are trying to get my attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. But above all of that, there is one voice. There is one voice and I will listen to that one voice above every other voice voice. I want my ideas and my thoughts to be shaped by his ideas and shaped by his thoughts and shaped by his truth. I choose his truth over everyone else's truth. It means that we choose Jesus as our primary GPS, that he sets the direction, that he tells me where to go and where he, where he leads, I will follow. See, in, in, my, in my family, we have this interesting dynamic that happens whenever we go on a trip, um, that whenever we go on a trip, you know, we have, we have the, the GPS on our phones and we have Siri, and then we have Siri and we have Jalen's version of Siri. Uh, now, like, if, if you don't know, Jalen is my wife. That's why I talk about this lady named Jalen so much on here. Um, but Jalen is, is, is my wife. And when we go on a trip, I'll say, hey, can you type in this direction? And can you, you know, you know let Siri give me the directions? And what Jalen likes to do and she likes to turn the voice of Siri way down and then she'll look at the map and then she will tell me the directions and tell me the turns that I'm supposed to take. Now, what's interesting about that is, is Jalen's not always as, as attentive as Siri. And so, so sometimes she'll start telling a story and then we'll miss a turn and then, or, 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 she'll, or she'll tell me like right at the exact moment that the turn was supposed to happen or that the exit was supposed to happen and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we have developed, the, we've had this conversation over the years where I will say things like, you know what, Jalen, when I ask for directions, I want to hear from Siri, not Jalen's version of Siri. I want to hear it straight from the source that when Siri tells me to change lanes, I'll change lanes. When Siri tells me to take an exit, I'll take the exit. When Siri tells me to stay to stay straight and to stay true, I'm going to stay straight and stay true. But when you tell me, I'm wondering whether or not you're really paying attention. So I want to hear it straight from the source. I want to be directed from the source. And when we make the decision that we want to be directed by our Heavenly Father, that we want Jesus to be our primary GPS, that's what we are ultimately doing. We're saying, God, I want the direction of my life to be influenced by the source of life. I want the direction of my life so that when you say turn right, I turn right. When you say go left, I go left. When you tell me to go back and to take a U-turn, I'll go back. I'll take a U-turn and go back. When you tell me to keep going straight ahead, I'll say straight ahead. When you tell me there's traffic up ahead, take a detour, I'll take a detour. When you tell me to go, I'll go. When you tell me to stop, I'll stop. But I choose that Jesus, you are the primary direction giver of my life, that you that you see further than I can see, that Jesus sees further, that he sees back, that he sees left and right, that he has a perspective that I don't have. And so I choose his perspective and his direction over any direction given by anyone else in my life. And so here's the thing, there's gonna be a million different people who have an opinion, about what you should do and where you should turn and what your next step should be. And at the end of the day, they're all good and they're all wonderful and they might be people who care about you a whole lot. But at the end of the day, choosing Jesus as the center of our lives means that we choose his direction over the direction of anyone else. Choosing Jesus at the center of our lives mean we, means he's our primary motivation. That he's not just our primary direction giver and he's not just our primary influence, but he is our primary motivation. That my savior is my reason. That my savior is my why. He's why 
I do everything I do, that I live for his approval and nothing else and nothing less, not my pleasure, not someone else's approval. I get up in the morning and with every choice I make and with every decision I make and with every direction I take, I seek the smile of my Savior. I seek the smile of my Heavenly Father. I live for his approval and nothing else and nothing less. He's my primary motivation. And then finally, we choose him as our primary destination as our primary destination, that he's where I run with questions. He's where I run with doubts. He's where I run with worries. He's where I run with my insecurities. He's where I run with my joy. He's where I run with my happiness. He's where I run when things are going well. He's where I run to with everything. That instead of seeking answers from a million different sources, that I take my question about God to the word of God. I take my doubts about God to God himself. I take my anxiety with life to the source of life. I take my worry to the one who can bring peace. I take my happiness to the one who can let me know if this is actually something that can legitimately satisfy me. I take everything to my heavenly father. He's my primary destination. See, here's the thing. There are two things that I believe are at stake for us if we don't get this right. The, the first is simply this, that lost people, if we don't get this right, with Jesus at the center of our lives, lost people will stay lost. See, see, Scripture teaches us and commands us that we're supposed to live as light, that we're supposed to live as walking, breathing, living examples of the body of Christ lived out, that as the church, that's what we're called to be, as Jesus' followers, that's what we're commanded to be, walking in the footsteps of our, of, of our teacher, of our Lord, of our Savior, that that's what we're supposed to be. And if we don't get this right with Jesus at the center of our lives, they will see us and our mess, and our self-righteousness that looks a lot like arrogance, and we'll end up pointing our finger at culture and demanding that culture and being angry about what culture is and being frustrated what, what culture is. And in, well, well, all the while, we are commanded and called to be something better, to live toward something better, to live toward a hope that is not of this world, to live toward a life that does not come from this world, to live toward something and to be an example and to be a shining light of something better to the world around us. See, if, if, if we don't get this right, we point our finger and point our finger and point our finger and point our finger. When Jesus says, hey, stop pointing your finger at the culture and live so that the world around you can see me through you. See me at the center of your life, making everything about your life better and stronger and more resilient and at more peace than the world can possibly Offer. If we don't get this right, the lost world stays lost. And if we don't get this right, what we, what the other thing that we may experience is we may find our lives shaken and realize that God was doing the shaking to get our attention because he does not want to be outside of our lives anywhere other than the center of our lives, hoping you're know, sitting there waiting for us to use him as an accessory. He wants to be at the center of our lives. And so because we believe that God wants to be at the center of our lives, there are times where we may find our lives and everything that we think is the most important. We may find it shaken and realize that God is the one doing the shaking in order to grab our attention, to get hold of our attention, to get us to look to him. That's what's at stake if we, if we don't get this right. But here's the thing. If we do get this right, just, just imagine this. If we do get this right, lost people get found. 
Lost people find God. Lost people discover their Heavenly Father. Lost people discover the source of life. Lost people discover the source of hope. Lost people discover the source of peace because they see something at work in us that makes us light to the world around us. Lost people get found. And on top of that, your life gets built on the only foundation that cannot be shaken because it's built on the Savior who died for you, but death couldn't hold him and the grave couldn't stop him and and sin couldn't contain him. That he rose from the dead victorious and became the only source and the only foundation that cannot and will not be shaken. Jesus wants to be the center of your life, wants to be the center of my life, wants to be the central point around which everything else revolves. He is the only one who's worthy to be the center of your life. And right here, right now, at the start of a new year, we can make the decision to get that decision right. Would you make that decision with me today that Jesus Christ is the center of my life? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for your grace for us. Thank you that you have done for us what no one else and nothing else could do for us. No one else and nothing else can do for us. Nothing less and no one less can do for us. So God, today we make the choice like Paul made, like hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of people have made throughout the years to place Jesus at the center of our lives. God, Help us have wisdom to see that if there's anything else that's currently at the center of our lives, help us have the wisdom to see it and to recognize it and to do with it what needs to be done to move it out of the center of our lives so that Jesus can have the center place in our lives. And God, help us have the courage to keep him there. Help us have the courage to do whatever it takes to make him the center point of our lives and to make him the center point of our time and our finances and our career and our politics and everything about us. All those things that are important, but they're not the most important. Help us to make sure that they revolve around the one who is most important, the one who is most worthy, the one who deserves to be at the center of our lives. So God, at the beginning of a new year, help us to do this. Help us to make this decision. Help us to get this decision right. Help us to choose Jesus Christ as the center of our lives. And then as we do that, would you help us to see you more clearly and display you more clearly to the world around us so that lost people can know you, so that lost people can discover you, so that lost people can find you. We love you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.